Hello, everyone. This is Jamie Flinchball of the People Solve Problems podcast. I'm here with uh, Josh Eric. Josh, good to see you. Jim. So thanks for coming on. Um, just by way of introduction, uh, Professor Joshua Eric is a professor of practice um, with a lot of work in entrepreneurship at Lehigh University. Um, he's a thought leader in, in a whole lot of things from business model innovation, entrepreneurship, uh, corporate innovation, new venture creation, business strategy, leadership, and technology management. So um, you get to play a lot of different overlapping and intersecting uh, domains, but uh, certainly uh, some interesting things to play with as a professor. So, um, so yeah, let's jump into, you know, all of those things, all of those topics from entrepreneurship to innovation, um, uh, all of them are versions of problem solving, right? So, um, how how do you how do you explore different problem solving techniques? Experiment with them, integrate them, adopt them. How do you how do you play in the you know the the problem solving methodology uh, sandbox? Yeah, so that's a it's a great question to get started, Jamie. And uh, one area that is more of a avocation than a vocation is around life design innovation and uh you know people solve problems is uh, the title of your book and uh you know one that i recommend everyone read and uh, so i actually think it starts with the individual i think it starts with you uh i think you know if you think about it we all have kind of surface and deep level uh insecurities that that we wrestle with we come from different backgrounds, right? We have experiences that, you know, we respond, react differently to, right? I mean, if I'm in you know, the engineering school or the arts or the science or even the business uh, disciplines, we tend to kind of react and, and respond and, and approach things and, and develop and, and execute on processes in, in, a, in a different and unique way. And sometimes coming together is can be very challenging. Uh, so... I feel like we we kind of we kind of project all these kind of experiences, backgrounds, insecurities, and and I think we project it into our team, right, our organization, and and I think sometimes this gets in the way of uh, like actionable problem solving, right? Because I think there's 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 problem solving, and then there's there's actionable problem solving. So so I think. I think it actually starts with self-awareness, you know, because we talk a lot about teams, organization, culture, leadership, but I think it starts with self-awareness with you, you know, um, you know, because without the self-awareness, you you'll enable your projections to manifest itself onto your team, your culture, your relationship to whatever the external kind of stimuli is, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I guess I view this contextually right um you know i always as i've told you before i will have like an image of uh, a rolodex and and most folks in gen z don't know what a rolodex is right and there is one there is one with smithsonian by, by the way <laughs> um but and then i'll say it's a rolodex and i think one of the students said is that an expensive watch right <laughs> And it's interesting because contextually, myself and them are in very different places, but yet we can learn from one another quite a bit. But I think having that, not only that self-awareness, self -awareness, but that awareness of other people's kind of contextual 
framework and where they're at, I think is really, really hard. And I don't think it's probably practiced as much as it should be, right? Um, I think it can be also circumstantial, right? Um, you know, which can be confusing uh, or, or situational, right? So, you know, where we're kind of just quick to act. Right, you know, uh, kind of the proverbial kind of you know putting out fires, right? You know, and 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 I think, I think all this can kind of cause us to lack empathy at the end of the day, and I guess to me that's kind of where I'm going, you know, into this is, is that you kind of have this reactive state of you know maybe it's a projection of all of these these things we spoke about, or it's a proactive state. Hey, we we've got a problem that we need to solve. That you know, depending on which horizon you're playing on, uh, could be really important systemic to the company, or just a, a small kind of you know, we need to make this this small change with the value proposition, you know, with our existing customer segment. And so, I think without this empathy, it's really hard to understand and accurately define what this weird problem is. All right. So, yeah, that's really, really interesting. So, so first, I'm imagining wearing a Rolodex on my wrist, um, and uh, <laughs> how awkward that would be. <laughs> but the, you know, first of all, I love the phrase "actionable problem solving" because there's there's plenty of problem solving activity, right, that doesn't produce anything actionable. But you know, really talking about the, the psychology, the the biases that we have, the self awareness that we need, the empathy to 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 get to where you concluded. Um, there's obviously different types of problems, right? Some like I'm working on a scheduling problem right now and, and a computer problem. And, you know, I don't know how much empathy and self-awareness are needed there, but when you're talking about, you know, business model innovation or entrepreneurship or, or, or corporate innovation and period, um, you know, what, what, what goes wrong or what goes right, uh, with, empathy as the key ingredient in those domains. Yeah. So, so there's a lot, lot going on there to unpackage. Um, so one of the things that I notice either within an entrepreneurial or an entrepreneurial, you know, environment is that a lot of us throughout our learnings, right. Whether it's in formal education or even informally, there's usually a solution. Right. Like the solution is four and, you know, two plus two gets to four. Mm-hmm. So there's an exact outcome. There is an exact answer. And I think this is what's really hard about entrepreneurship in general is that that, that there is no there's no answer called four. Right. There, right. There, there's a process to get to that, but there's no kind of there's no definitive final outcome. And so there's like there's a lot of adaptation and pivoting and iterating that that gets gets you there, right? Uh, you know, but that's that's really really hard to do. But um, to your question about about empathy and you know how do we effectively get there, right? Um, you know, I think all too often we already define what the problem is, right? You know, so so. Assuming we've kind of gone through this self-awareness, then it's around the discovery of, you know, like what is the actual problem? And, and you just assume you know what the problem is. Right? And I think if I remember from, you know, from my own readings with you is, you know, there's this intuitive integration, right? That kind of goes into that. Um, but 
you know, but so self-awareness is, I think you need self-awareness to, to have empathy and then you need empathy to effectively define the problem. Right. So kind of going through that design thinking methodology. Uh, and I think only then once you define the problem is to understand that that problem is fluid, right? It's dynamic. It, it it's ever evolving. It, it's, it's constantly changing, you know, and then the problem or the opportunity if you're looking at it from an entrepreneur's perspective is, is that, is that these, these solutions to these problems create new problems. Yeah. Right. And then they have these kind of unattended consequences involved. Right. And these unattended consequences could be around culture, team dynamics, you know, business model components. Mm -hmm. Sometimes once again, they're minor. Sometimes they're structural. Uh, you know, if you and I were running a mom and pop shop, in a down, in downtown New York, right, or some other, you know, small town America, uh, when the when Model Ts were starting to get mass produced, um, you know, you were like, great, that's going to get our customers to our shop that much faster. But there were so many unattended consequences of that Model T, right? Whether it was, you know, the way we ate with fast food, the way we shopped with big box stores, the way we lived with suburban, you know, Levittown, etc. And it has such a fundamental change right into that. So I think, you know, but that kind of lies in the opportunity, but this is why, you know, having a continuous feedback loop around this is so important. Yeah. Because otherwise <laughs> you, you create these, these, these solutions, but they create new problems. And if you're not constantly understanding and evolving from that, you know, I don't think you ever truly become a sustainable problem solver, right? So I think actionable is one part of the equation. I think sustainable is another part, right? And yeah. just to just to go back real quick, I think the reason why I emphasize self awareness is because I think without the self awareness, you can't be authentic. Mm -hmm. and without being authentic, I don't know how you can lead a team in terms of you know being able to um, effectively problem solve. Right. Yeah. I don't want their definition of problem solving, but to be effective in it is, is, is different. Yeah. I, I, I fully agree. I mean, we all problem solve as human beings, we problem solve. So, uh, it, it's just a matter of when and where and what it looks like and what we bring to the table. Um, you know, picking up on, on, on empathy and, and using, using cars, since we brought up the, the model T, I remember, uh, it, meeting with a particular German automaker and um, they were getting bad feedback on their computer system uh, and their JD power scores and, and people were confused. They couldn't understand and work it. And they said, you know, 30 minute lesson at the dealership um, and they can learn how to use it. And um, it was kind of like, nobody wants to spend 30 minutes um, at the dealership learning how to use their computer. Uh, they don't even want to spend 30 minutes buying the car. So, it was it was sort of a lack of empathy moment of of not really understanding how the customer saw that. Um, now, just to that point of understanding the problem you're trying to solve and empathy, um, you know, you've worked with hundreds of entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs. Um, you know, do you need to be empathetic as a human being, or can you learn to be empathetic in your problem solving? as a practiced trait, as opposed to a natural trait. Yeah. So that, 
so there's a there's a lot of potential answers there to that one. Uh, the one that that I I still go back to is that I think you need to be I think you need to be empathetic in the sense of being empathetic to yourself. Hmm. Uh, because without being empathetic to yourself, you can't be empathetic to others. And if you can't be empathetic to others, right? And this could be external or external, right? I don't know if we've defined what the, what problem actually means. Because in the last example, problem was external to the customer, right? Okay. And without discovery efforts and truly understanding the comfort or the 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 problems and and the issues that they they have, you can't can't effectively solve them. Yep. Uh, as compared to internal, right? Whether it's process or, or team or you know culture or leadership or whatever it might be, but I think, I think having that empathy towards yourself is crucial to either internal or external problem solving. Yeah. Uh, you know because because I think all too often, and and I'll take a tie into entrepreneurship is that they define what the problem is like right away, right? And and generally it's, you know, it's with blinders. Yes. Because like I'm experiencing this, right? But but being a market of one is, is not the best market to be in. And, uh, you know, so I think, I think even if you believe, you assume, right? Because I think defining problems is, is around assumptions, mm-hmm. right? This is where validated learning, I think, is, is so important too. Uh, and actually mapping those assumptions. But, you know, I think creating a list of, of, you know, once you've kind of gone through discovery and empathy and really defining the problem, um, I think is is probably something that not a lot of people do. And I'm sure I've been guilty of that myself. I just, I assume I know what you're going to say. So I'm already thinking about what I'm going to say next. Right. But that's necessarily the best way to look at a situation in a conversation. Um, I think that's analogous to, you know, defining problems as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, defining the problem, right, is especially when you're when you're trying to be innovative, whether as an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur, um, you know, if you don't get that right and if you lock it down too early, you can be in real trouble. Um, So but especially in corporate innovation, you need you need some some proof, some evidence before you get the, the green light to start marching forward. And if you're an entrepreneur, you need you need to give yourself the green light or you need to raise money or convince a co-founder to move forward. So, so how do you both, uh, uh, I'll say, I'll define it this way and you can redefine it for me if I get it wrong. Um, convey confidence that we understand where we're going into this messy world of innovation and entrepreneurship with a well-defined problem. Yet at the same time, hold it loosely and be ready to change with that constant feedback. Yeah. So assuming we know the definition of the problem, right? Um, I'm a big fan. I think certain frameworks work really well in this situation. I'm a fan of McKinsey's Three Horizons framework, and sometimes business model suck into that uh, because I think a lot of people they have the problem, they define the problem, and then they're automatically go to the solution, right? And, and you know, it depends on where you're operating, right? Are you going, you know, towards a sustaining, you know, existing operations, you know, is it an emerging market situation or is it a transformative, you know, dare I say, blue ocean situation? And, 
you know, and, and a lot of people that, you know, and that, that last one would be a, an example of Horizon 3, but a lot of folks, when they're in that Horizon 3, they're kind of like, well, I'm going to do a DCF model, just kind of cash flow model, you know, and, and assume that my business model is linear over the next 10 years. And, you know, and, and, and you know that not to be true. And, and I think to your point, measuring what success versus failure is, is, is really hard. Um, in that respect. So I'm actually a big fan of, even if you're going towards a horizon two, which is emerging or horizon three, which would be transformative. I like creating deceptive ones. Like what can you do within your, you know, and I've said this in a few workshops, you know, what can you do almost, I don't want to say secretively, right? Cause this is being recorded. So the secret will be out, but <laughs> you almost do secretively to, to, kind of marry the reactive and the proactive state, right? Where reactive might be sitting in a horizon one, sustaining core business. Maybe you're trying to extend the S curve, but maybe you're just trying to do something within process, product, innovation at a one level. And, and so I'll say, what can you do there? And what you know, core competencies can you leverage there that can create the kernel and start validating certain assumptions that can ultimately get you to that vision, you know, that horizon three strategy and all, because the reality is, is that, you know, companies may spend, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's a recommended amount of, you know, percentage that you should allocate towards that portfolio, right. Mm -hmm. uh, between one, two and three, but you know, when it comes down to it, maybe 2% is allocated to a transformative strategy and, and, you know, but. But I think if you can create a deceptive one, you not only um, are addressing immediate or, or reactive problems, but you're also starting to address proactive problems by validating assumptions. And, and I'm, a, I'm an absolute, and I'm, I believe you are as well, a big fan of validated learning and, and you know, how can we start you know, kind of doing that, that build, measure, learn approach to that, right? And, and creating feedback loops because... If you go into, you know, uh, if you have a, a kind of audacious problem where, you know, there's no real KPIs associated with it, right? I mean, you, you don't know. Right? And, and, and I, I do appreciate um, what also Walter came up with AKIs, right? Which are aspirations and key insights. Mm -hmm. and, and I believe, you know, we're, we're so KPI driven sometimes that, you know, you can almost play the KPI game at the one level, but you're also validating certain assumptions at an AKI level for your ultimate goal of being in a, in a transformative three position. Right, right. It's not too many acronyms or numbers there, but you explained them as you went. So, um, yeah, KPIs work best when you already know some of your answers, right? Um, but but some of this you, you you don't know your answers. I like that idea of deceptive ones. You know, it kind of reminds me of a, a phrase we used when I when I was a soccer coach, which is the game is the best teacher. Um, you know, don't don't spend a lot of time learning, you know, where to set up cones and dribble. Just just put people on a field and start playing. And you'll learn a lot by by moving through those different, you know, different phases uh as you as you progress. Um now you try to do this with your students as well. So um, you know, whether they're a student of yours or, uh, or they just want to learn how to get better at this before they, they venture into entrepreneurship or, or entrepreneurship, 
Um, how do you how do you get to experience that um, before you're ready to make the leap? Uh, how how do you practice that in the classroom? Yeah, so um, I think everything I do is learned by doing. I'm I'm completely. I love your your soccer metaphor uh, first and foremost. Uh, so at the undergrad level, they have to go out there day one, um, and, you know, start talking to folks, right. And, and doing discovery, which goes into empathy. And I also, you know, uh, they also do some self-awareness stuff along the way too. Uh, and, and so there's a lot of, there's a lot of really great life skills that get unpackaged, uh, because I think regardless of whether you want to go into entrepreneurship or not, there are so many skill and mindsets associated with it that could be helpful regardless of, of what you do. Now, I also work with graduate students. I work with MBA students and um, they had to, for the capstone course that I just finished, they had to actively create um, a project where they had to identify a problem, uh, develop it and provide some kind of implementation plan, but then address why them and what's sustainable, uh, what creates a sustainable competitive advantage for their organization. And they actually, they actively started doing discovery internally. Yeah. Uh, and, and started learning quite a bit, right? Because everything's interconnected and something that we talked about with the business model is that if you impact, you know, if, if you change one key activity, it could not only fundamentally change the product development side, but could also fundamentally change the value proposition and everything on the customer development side as well. Uh, you know, and, and so it challenged a lot of them to start working cross-functional, uh, which I also think is a huge aspect to problem solving as well. And, um, you know, but it also enabled them to, uh, to actually understand what the problems of the organization are. Uh, you know, because we, we, we talk about people solving problems, but, you know, I don't know if, if folks always know which ones are the right ones or that they're even empowered to right. be the ones thinking about themselves as problem solvers, uh, because they operate in that functional sandbox or whatever it might be. Yeah. I really think that, that everyone in the organization, uh, or every student in the classroom for that matter is a problem solver. Mm -hmm. And they have to be, uh, and, you know, I, I mean, you talk about AI or automation or, you know, all these things that are occurring right now and your ability to communicate and be a problem solver and, and, and lead right through not only through authenticity, but curiosity, I think are going to be extremely important. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a, if I'm a comp sci major, but I can put all the code into chat GPT, I better be thinking about those other skill sets yeah. while still understanding in, in the process. Yep. Fully so, agreed. I think problem solving might be easier, but the hard parts will be even more important in, in all of that. So, well, it's uh, awesome. Thanks for sharing your insights with our, our listeners. Um, you know, if you want to learn more from, from Josh, if you're a, you know, looking for an undergraduate school or graduate school, you got to go to Lehigh. But if you're inside a company, he also does uh, uh, corporate workshops as well. So uh, plenty of opportunities to learn from Professor Eric. So, Josh, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Jamie. I appreciate you having me on. 
Thanks for listening to the People Solve Problems podcast. Let's keep the conversation going. Visit jflinch.com for more episodes and other content. And continue to join us on your podcast app, of course. We greatly appreciate your feedback through reviews and ratings. Consider expanding your understanding of problem solving with Jamie's book, People Solve Problems, The Power of Every Person, Every Day, Every Problem. Available on Amazon. Until next time, keep learning, innovating, and solving problems.